Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me today, I have uh, one of the integral members of Hijinx, which is Australia's best and um, most wonderful Pathfinder to the actual play, um, as well as um, some other things. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello. Yeah, uh, I'm Ebony Webb. Yeah, I'm a member of Hijinx. So we started kind of percolating this plan. Uh, really just from our group of friends that like to play together to start doing this actual play thing. And now too, oh gosh, even more from the people that first came up with the plan, like probably five years now, uh, we finally got stuff going on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So one of the, uh, one of the things that uh, I know that you do is you do like a character creation series, um, but you also built the set. And so f for folks who haven't seen the show, uh, the set is beautiful. Um, and oh, it's thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, that was a, a, a mammoth effort. I think we pulled that together in about three weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was crazy. It, it was super fun. Like that's part of what I do as my, um, my day job is that okay. I um, do set building and management for entertainment and stuff like that. So really yeah. easy transfer of skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's super awesome. Um, well, cool. So where I always like to get started is just like, how did you get into nerd stuff in general? God, I was thinking about this um, earlier and it, it really is, it, it started really young. Like um, I'm an only child, right? So, <laughs> you know, I think most of the time I was kind of just off in my own world. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was a really avid reader as a kid and I actually grew up in Canada, though I'm in Australia now. 
Um, yeah, and, I was I was eventually going to ask you about your accent. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Canadian accent, but um, mm. I am dual citizen between yeah. the two lovely countries. Um, but I don't think you can get a more enchanted forest than a Canadian forest, really. So I was yeah. rife with inspiration as a kid, and you know, definitely books. I think, oh God. I have a copy of The Hobbit and I can't remember when I got it, but like by the time I was about 15, I'd read it like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, God, things like uh, like Del Toro Quest. I don't know if they have that over in. Uh, I've never heard um, of that, no. Fantastic book series, like young, young teen book series. But yeah. what I loved about it is that it has puzzles in the books. And I think those kind of, book series was what really kind of got me started on the path to being very into tabletop role playing and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah, I I definitely would have loved that as a kid. Um because I, I always enjoyed fantasy fiction and I think having the chance to like interact with it in that kind of way I think would have been super cool. Which is funny that I I never got to do like a choose your own adventure book. I've never done one. Oh, like I remember the Goosebumps ones. I had a couple of those that I picked up at like a thrift store or something. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Classic Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. No, that's super cool. And so when did you originally get introduced to tabletop then? I mean, tabletop definitely just through other forms of media, right? And, yeah. you know, I'm part of, I guess, that first generation that really grew up from the on the internet, like from from day one really yeah um and you know and msn and all of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so really yeah through other form of me other forms of media and you know often like spoof portrayals in movies and stuff but yeah. i remember god i was really the only nerdy kid like in my year group mm. i went to a very like cool like artsy musician school like everyone was <laughs> like so much cooler than I was <laughs> and I was just there like I really like anime <laughs> yeah. so I didn't really have any high school friends to um share in in that kind of nerdage with me so it was always very um like internal <laughs> obsessing yeah. over really nerdy stuff and it wasn't until I was like actually an adult and I started you know, making friends outside of the forced friendship circles of, of high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> that I started finding people with similar interests. And um, it wasn't until I actually met the hijinks game, gang that I got to play my first session, though I had been like obsessively reading wikis for years. <laughs> <point. That's awesome. laughs> but never, never Pathfinder, which is our, um, I hadn't heard of Pathfinder until, I started playing with these guys because, you know, D&D has the monopoly on the market a little bit as far as advertising goes. Yeah, certainly. So uh, it was D&D that you guys played that first time? No, straight into Pathfinder. I have only oh, okay. at this point now played only one game of uh, classic Dungeons and Dragons. Well, fifth edition. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went straight into first edition Pathfinder, which was okay. just... Yeah a time for uh, someone that me like me that likes to read all yeah. of the rules like all yeah. of the rules so building the character <laughs> took me like a week straight to like <laughs> read yeah. through all the options that were available <laughs> well yeah and pathfinder has so many options too um yeah yeah even, and even yeah. especially in first edition because it had yes. been just 
being compiled over so many years, but they're straight on the money with second edition. Like they're really, cause that's what people loved about it. Right. Having all those yeah. options. Yeah. I'm still waiting for a second edition Slayer to come out. Yeah. Um, right. Absolutely. I'm really yeah. I'm excited for that one. Um, but yeah, that's so cool though. I think, uh, definitely would have been a fun a fun group to play with um i've only ever got to outside of yourself just interact with uh gianni but he's always been um so lovely so one day i just hit him up on discord and was like hey thanks for all the support and (laughs) we just started talking um but uh um yeah that that's super cool what do you remember what what exactly where i'm sure you do but what was your character that you ended up making Oh gosh, so my very first Pathfinder character um, was it was in a session run by my um, partner Tyler who co-hosts um, its character building with me. Yeah. And um, my very first character was named Sal Redman um, <laughs> and she was an Ifrit gunslinger and it was a nice. sort of, what did we name the campaign? True Defective was the name of the campaign. <laughs> and um, it was like a just sort of buddy cop, fantasy buddy cop, um, like vibe. Yeah. So that was really fun. And she was just a um, very disgruntled and um, marginalized <laughs> uh, cop in this community because yeah. like nobody trusted her because she was an ifrit and <laughs> yeah. all of that kind of stuff so yeah sal redman was my very first pathfinder character (laughs) yeah was that was uh gianni running that game no tyler um oh i'm sorry you did yeah 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 yeah, Um, yeah, tyler was running that one yeah no that's super cool that's uh how long have you guys played that one um we got pretty much to the end of that campaign i think we had one maybe two sessions left to plan and we still haven't finished it because is that oh, not no. the <laughs> the tragedy of tabletop role playing is scheduling yeah. really just kills you in the end it's never yeah. the big bad <laughs> that's yeah for sure that would probably be me anyway i'm i'm notorious for like not finishing stuff um especially <laughs> stuff that i enjoy for whatever reason like oh absolutely i've had yeah i i think i got witcher 3 like the month it came out and I still haven't finished it. Um, I'm, I'm chronic with that for like personal creative projects. Yeah. I've got, you know, a script sitting over here that is like not even halfway finished and like paintings downstairs that I've been working on for like two years. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. I think it's an ADHD yep. thing. <laughs> yeah. Bro, it's probably part of it too. Um, so yeah, I'm curious then, um, because you mentioned scripts. So did you like do theater and stuff like that as well? Yeah. So I actually went to university um, for theater and entertainment um, okay. stuff. Like I am te- uh, technically trained as an actor by vocation. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I just have a real creative burn that I, I, I really have to, I, I'll do anything. I'll literally, yeah. I'll try anything once. <laughs> like, so um, when I was in uni, I ended up starting doing stage management and and set building. And the way I actually met all of um, the hijinks crew is through a show at a festival that we have here in Australia called Woodford Woodford Folk Festival. And um, Gianni and and Tyler and a significant portion of the hijinks crew were actually cast members and team members of a production um, that we do with a company called Folly Games called The Game. Yeah, so it was a, a large-scale immersive interaction, interactive 
theater production that ran over the seven days of the festival and like progressed. So like kind of like real world uh, yeah. TTRPG a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Had a cast of about 30 people in like seven different sets of like castles and pirate ships and all sorts of cool stuff. And then the members of the festival would come and play games with us and we'd take them on these wild adventures. And that's kind of how I got into um, working with these guys. And it kind of really ignited my passion for like interactive storytelling as well. Yeah. And because that's sort of the realm I work in now for my, you know, other professional work separate from hijinks. Yeah. So, okay. So that begs the question, how did you end up not being a cast member on the show? Um, so, uh, with hijinks, so Claire, Luke and T, um, and Gianni had had this idea for quite a while. Um, before we even met, they had a plan to do at least a recorded campaign. Yeah. And then it started to sort of, so they were, they were locked in from, from the get go. They were the original, they were the inciting, uh, (laughs) group and, um, and eventually, uh, originally, uh, I was just pulled on as as a set builder and a set designer because Gianni knew that was part of my wheelhouse. And then, mm-hmm. really, just as as I am wont to do, um, I I couldn't not get just so heavily involved <laughs> in <laughs> in almost every aspect. So I do a lot of the admin stuff behind the scenes as well. You know, yeah, just do a lot of the Discord management and help them setting up our patreon that's launching very soon which is super exciting (laughs) yeah that is exciting very cool yeah no i think i mean it's it's awesome you know one that you're you can be that involved and that they have that support um because like i said it is really cool i gosh when i learned about it i think there had only been like three or so episodes done um and so i wasn't like aware of like the schedule of how, like how how long in between episodes and stuff like that would happen um which i'm sure has been a surprise sometimes to you guys as well but absolutely unfortunately um we picked maybe the worst time in history to try and launch a, <laughs> a show of any kind uh yeah. yeah right literally we had our first meeting like gianni and tyler and i had our very first meeting about us coming on board to build the set and then within within the month we went into our big first lockdown here in yeah. australia which lasted like three months and <laughs> yeah. and we came out of the other side we built the set in about three weeks shot our first episode and then i think went into another lockdown <laughs> like it's just been and then this year there's been flooding so the fact that we've managed to get them out at about once a month or once every two months occasionally has is pretty impressive due to the universe apparently being against (laughs) us (laughs) yeah no kidding and then like it's always bizarre um one because i feel like the beginning of 2020 seems like it wasn't that long ago Uh, yeah and then like Like it just 2022 oh god but so many (laughs) things happened like at the beginning of the year um one of them being australia being on fire uh being in 2020 and it was just like yeah this is awful um but now the whole world is in an epidemic and 
people just stopped talking about how Australia was, at least here, obviously. I'm sure it was a lot different for you guys. I mean, but no, it really was sort of like that. Like we were, so Woodford, that was the last Woodford that happened because the pandemic shut down that. And that was, we ended um, the seven year arc of the game, which was the show where we all worked on. So it had had a seven year long show arc. We ended it that year while the world was burning and then the the um, planet, the world literally ended in 2020. And we were like, oh, God, <laughs> did we do this? <laughs> you, you set off the apocalypse, um, yeah. We set off the apocalypse by accident. I mean, that just shows you the power of uh, interactive storytelling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's why I keep joking that, like, once we hit the COVID Zeta strain, that's when the zombies start to happen. Oh, yeah. Get that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. God. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. we were actually supposed to shoot a stream last week, and three people went down with COVID, and we were like, "Oh God, <laughs> it's tough." <laughs> it never yeah, ends. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, because I talked to Gianni about it too. Like, um, one, just curious if you were ever going to make a podcast version of the show, because um, I think, I mean, for me, that's an easier thing to digest, uh, just time wise, and um, like how much visual v- availability I have. Um, and, but yeah, podcasters, you know, because we can do it remotely, like it's, it's a lot easier to to get a lot of stuff done. I mean, we're 15 hours apart right now and having a conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but then, I yeah, can. when you, you build a set and you're like, okay, everybody come together and let's do this show. <laughs> And, and then they're like, um, you cannot actually be in the same room together. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, even just like audio quality things about like masks mm-hmm. and stuff like that set us back quite a while because we couldn't not shoot with masks. But if we shot with masks, the quality of our audio would be just trash. So we yeah. put shooting off for ages there. And, you know, it's just been a few things after another. But yes, I can confirm that there will be um a podcast version of the show um you know it's working on it it's all a process right it's it all takes time and we are just people that have regular jobs as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> we sure. try and um get our hijink stuff in as as much as possible like i've been here the last two days doing a bunch of admin stuff and just working yeah. away on my computer as well i'm not at my day job yeah and it's kind of what you got to do yeah, for sure. Is the entertainment industry in Australia as hectic as it is in the U.S.? In the um, sense, like, I mean, like, I have friends who do it, and they're just like, we just work all the time, and you know, like, like concept. yes and no. It really is a feast and a feast and famine industry. Like that's kind okay. of what people say is that yeah. you know when you're doing it and you're making it, you're it's great. You're you're pulling in that money and you're surviving, and then if that show ends and you haven't got another one lined up straight off the bat, um, you have no income, you know, mm. like, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like yeah. I also work, I also um, work in a cafe that a friend of yeah. mine owns to, to pay the bills basically um, yeah. b- because you can't, unfortunately it, it's, it's very difficult to sustain a living doing what you love <laughs> a lot of the time until you really hit that like big push, which is, I don't know, the dream with at least hijinks, right, is that eventually this could be our job. So, yeah, you know, we try. Certainly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things, like I've talked about it on my show before, but I think 
there's got to be a time like there's we have this giant influx of everybody coming in to like try their hand at it right um but there there has to be a time when you know cream rises to the top um and i think that one thing that has helped or that will help uh certainly with hijinks is is the production quality of it um because like i said something that was really important to us yeah like from the get-go that's like why we we you know invested money and and time into building a beautiful set and making sure that we have quality cameras and and recording equipment because we knew what we wanted to put out there and we knew that it was worth the effort and the and the time and the money that it was going to take to get it to there and you know sometimes our rec- posting schedule is a little bit slower than we like but uh i hope people always know that it's because we're trying to make them the best product that we possibly can yeah well and i think i mean too i you know nobody should ever fault you guys for being safe too you know what i mean like that's such a and i'm people will because people are assholes but like it (laughs) what you shouldn't um because yeah it's it's tough it's it's hard to to do that to like even my home game like we haven't played I haven't sat down and played a TTRPG with other people in the same room. This is technically a lie, but outside of <laughs> one incident, um, it's been since like 2019. Um, yeah, but I wow. played Zombie Zombie World, which is it's like is it a board game? Is it a TTRPG? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's just been like with my my best friend of like 25 years and um, and his partner and then my wife together. Um, and yeah, yeah I mean, but it's the, like it's it, just it wild. Is, it's it is crazy, and and we're really lucky, um, you know, that we all are within the same vicinity, and we at least, God, even if we sometimes, uh, you know, fall behind on, on production things, we we at least always get to do the thing that we love, which is meet up once a week and play something. God mm-hmm. forbid, it's just a game of you know any board game that one of our collection has is that because that is the most important thing about tabletop really it's the thing i love the most which is that it is just uh friends getting together and telling a story and Mm -hmm. making make believe you know it's my favorite thing i think about it all the time yeah is that like you have people from literally all walks of life like i there's people in, in in every genre of person that has at least played a little bit of D&D or, or something like that. And at the end of the day, it is us just doing what we did when we were kids, which is getting together and making stuff up and telling fantastic stories to each other. And And yeah. that's what makes me so passionate about it and why I really wanted this to get up and going. Because like hijinks, yes, our, our flagship uh, sort of work is just... Um, is a Pathfinder show, but but really we're big on creative writing and storytelling and games mm-hmm. and gameplay in general. And eventually we do want to expand our library of content to um, encompass a, um, a larger range of yeah. um, things of that nature as well. Yeah, it's, it's super exciting to see. And, and it's cool, I think, to have all that extra stuff on there because um, one, there's not a lot of Pathfinder 2e content creators it's out true. there. Um, and yeah, and I think that, you know, because you guys have like a big group of folks doing it and you can kind of have a diverse range of voices to add to it, it definitely makes it 
more interesting than just like the same person talking all the time. Um, yeah, which is so diversity is a big is an important thing to us. Like, you know, we're always trying to see how we can diversify, like the the people that we get into work with us. Because I don't know, I think um, <laughs> you know, as a generally, the team is pretty conscious that there's a lot of white folk there. Like, I yeah. I look very white, and I'm the only person technically of color that, <laughs> that is a member of the team because um, yeah. my family is Indigenous Australian. Um, so it, it is really important that we do get opportunities to to reach out to uh, people from other cultures, especially when it comes to storytelling. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing I like about Pathfinder as well, that they're really uh, careful with the cultures that they um let influence you know the the stuff that they yeah um publish and produce and they're they're conscious about respecting the diversity of the worlds that they're drawing inspiration from which is something that i really respect and enjoy a lot Um, yeah so yeah they're certainly uh improving i think that there's still some times that i i I think me and probably a lot of people want more, right? And there's still some stuff that's out there that's probably sometimes a little bit questionable, but like that's absolutely legacy products of of you know Pathfinder three or Pathfinder, which was basically D and D three point five. And yeah, but I, you know, but they are making a very conscious effort and like an active effort, which I love to see. Um, that there's constantly constantly new Lost Omens books coming out that are like expanding on lore, um, taking away from like the exotification of of different cultures and stuff like that, um, and making it more just about you know wonderful people that you can like yes yeah, celebrating meet. celebrating those cultures as well. Like I thought they did a a really beautiful job with Moenge Expanse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I, I felt like it, it, I my my family and my heritage isn't like afrocentric or yeah. anything like that but um you know if if my culture was handled with a similar level of care i'd be super super happy to to see that yeah um, out there in the world and i wish it was gosh like the indigenous australian um culture traditions and heritage is so interesting and so beautiful and probably the least known like internationally yeah. there's like not that much information outside of australia you know, you get a few dot paintings over <laughs> across the world, and that's about it. And half the time, they're not even by blackfellows. So what yeah, can you do? Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's true. Even um, you know, which is in Australia, but like in New Zealand, um, even like the Maori people. Like I, the only reason I ever learned about them was rugby. Because I used yeah, to play rugby. the All Blacks, and, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I was like, "Why is this team called the All Blacks? Because none of them are black." This is very strange. Um, but yeah, it's you know because of their uniforms and what that represented. Um, but yeah, seriously, there's so many, so many indigenous peoples across the world um, who have dealt with a lot of erasure and a lot of just not being, not having any representation, not having anybody. Um, in power that can like go helps you know spread the word or whatever like it just it sucks yeah absolutely and like like my i don't i don't know my traditional like language like australia is crazy so um there are 
over 400 separate language groups wow in australia like that's so much culture and at more than half of them are just lost to time you know yeah. i don't i don't know my particularly family group particular family groups language in fact my um ancestors my great 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 etc um grandmother and her her sister were actually separated from their original um, tribe and adopted into another one they were separated by a flood and kind of from that point on um all of the women just ended up marrying white fellows because that (laughs) it was at the time the the safest option really but there's a I don't know if you've ever heard of this is a bit dark but I don't know if you've ever heard of the white Australia policy but Mm -mm. in in the gosh I want to say 1800s 1900s um there was uh literally um the government enacted the white Australia policy which was literally a policy to breed out indigenous people to 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 basically procreate with the indigenous people and because our gene is a recessive gene as you can see i've got almost no melanin (laughs) um to make them not exist by having children and perpetuating whiteness and white culture so that it just erased the black history of australia it's it's crazy australia (laughs) did a bad job (laughs) australia did a bad job and and only really now are people starting to try and remedy that not the government but (laughs) but people on an individual level i think there is more understanding and more celebration like there are schools that are starting to teach the traditional languages of those areas and and things like that um, especially in the arts in Australia, which is really beautiful to see. There's a lot of celebration for indigenous culture. Um, yeah. God, that's imperialism at its worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. It still blows my mind that that's, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it, was, it was a rough time. It was a rough time, and it, it's such an interesting thing. And there's well, so much I mean, division. Yeah, Oh, yeah. just that there's so much division between the 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 two ideals, you know. We have mm. it was um Anzac Day uh yesterday, which is the um memorial day for people that fought in the First World War okay. here in Australia. And so we celebrate it every year. Um and Australia Day, like our, our national holiday is actually the day that the first boats landed in Australia, um, known by my people at least as Invasion Day. And yeah. we've been asking for it to be moved from that. We're happy to celebrate Australia. We, I love this country. Yeah. Um, and we've been asking for it to be moved so many times and constantly the cry is just get over it it's the past and it's like yeah. but we're not saying that to <laughs> yeah. veterans or families of veterans like i think yeah. everyone's loss deserves to be celebrated equally it's but, so crazy yeah yeah i mean uh, you know in terms of like what the u.s at least i don't preface this by saying this is the second episode in a row where i've talked about uh how poor um, the school system is here in the state that I live in, in Mexico. Um, but it's awful. And, but yeah, like the, the things that were taught about, uh, Australia was that like, it's just like a place that England sent their criminals. 
(laughs) That's like all we knew. Um, I think I watched, you know, documentaries as a kid because we still love those about like Aboriginal peoples. Um, uh, And that was about it. But yeah. And then the other one was like that really threw me off, which is such a weird thing, but it just like was so bizarre to me was watching Lost. And then there's that guy the Australian guy who was like in the Australian army. And I was like, Australians had an army. <laughs> like they had a military force. That's so bizarre. I just yeah. did not think that was. <laughs> yeah, oh no. Yeah. That or I guess. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is literally that is that is that there isn't enough education, even here in Australia, there's not yeah. enough education, especially, I mean, you know, uh, government school systems are, are broken. Uh, <laughs> yes. I was, right. I was, really lucky I got to go to an alternative schooling system for um, a good portion of my school. I went to a um, Steiner school. We were a, um, a government supported Steiner school. So we still lent, learned the like curriculum that the whole state did, but um, yeah. th- through a really different lens that really looked at supporting um, the students in what they were interested in and, and teaching them in ways that worked for them so i was very very lucky in that regard yeah that's and so did you remind me you said you moved to australia when you were how old i was nine um, Nine. Okay. when i moved to australia yeah, yeah. good good long while ago now but yeah i still have the accent uh, <laughs> i think i read <laughs> i read somewhere that the like uh, neural pathways for language and development are kind of solidified by about nine or ten years old yeah. um so I'm stuck with this one. I don't mind. I quite like the Canadian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. It's, it's interesting to like have those two different, um, you know, kind of paths, like, and especially they're still, they're two different formative year or parts of your life. Right. In just Absolutely. different ways. Yeah. Um, so was your family, like your parents, were they, from Australia, moved to Canada, and then moved back? So it's all a little bit uh, back and forth, actually. So um, my um, Indigenous Australian heritage is maternal all okay. the way through. So my mom and my mom's mom, um, but my um, grandmother met my grandfather, who is Canadian, and okay. they moved over to Canada and had their family and their kids there. And then when my mom was in her twenties, she went back to Australia just to, I don't know, do something different (laughs) as you do in your twenties. And she met my, my dad who is Australian. So technically I'm like three quarters Australian. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been fairly prevalent. My family was always really good about being like these, these are your two cultures. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. have family over in across the entire world, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was always crazy to think about like being so spread out across the globe. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really cool though. It's, it's nice to have like those kinds of uh, perspectives. And I imagine, you know, despite some of the, the things that we talked about, um, Australia just seems like it would be a badass place to grow up. It, it's um, it's great. I mean, I grew yeah. up in a particularly beautiful area, um, yeah. in in both Canada and Australia. I've been very blessed with the yeah. um, the the just the natural beauty of the world that I've grown up in. Got to grow up on Vancouver Island in Canada, which is just mm. stunning. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly, when I say like enchanted forests, uh, 
I think they film like a good portion of all um, like temperate forest scenes in films in that area of Canada. (laughs) Um, And then I grew up um, on the East coast here in Canada in an area called the Byron Shire, like Byron Bay. It's all very, very beautiful and very, very blessed. It it really does. um, It does really make me love this country a lot. Uh, I feel very, very, very blessed, very special. It's a, a, they're very similar countries in a lot of ways. They're kind of just opposite on the temperature spectrum. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. You can go from all the way up north to, you know, uh, near the equator south. Yeah, the, the, the top end and the bottom end of the world. Yeah. The, the, the full spectrum of <laughs> heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that's so cool, though. It's It's interesting, you know, that that's something that's been like available to you in your life. And uh, yeah, that's super exciting. Did you ever, so you said you grew up in like the Bay, like were you able to like learn surfing and stuff like that? Was that ever something you tried? Um, uh, it, it, I have tried to surf. Yeah. Like, I'm not the most athletic person. Actually, that's <laughs> not true. I was a dancer for like 17 years. I, I did like dance classes four nights a that's week for athletic, a very long yeah. time. It was definitely athletic, but, um, I also, this is so bad. I live in Australia. I don't really like the beach. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. Not that, into the, not that into like the windiness and like mm-hmm. the roughness. I'll take a mountain lake anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something about the beach. It's just like very unsettling. Not in a spooky way, but in like an energetic way. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's not very relaxing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've only ever been to like, the beach of of an ocean a couple times and it is terrifying um yeah yeah. which is so funny because i grew up ocean front like in both places that i lived um but i'll i actually i don't know i prefer the beach in canada because i i don't have to get in the water yeah (laughs) i like water i like being submerged in bodies of water but the ocean is just a lot (laughs) yeah I had that experience, um, you know, in like movies when like the focus stays on the character, but everything else like zooms, um, that was, I had that sensation. Uh, and then I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm gonna get in the water. And then I got in the water and I got pulled in, uh, by the undertow or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just (laughs) just going to hang out on the sand. (laughs) Uh, I am, I'm not fucking with the ocean because, uh, it'll, it's too powerful. It's too powerful. Weirdly yeah. enough, I really like being on boats. Um, maybe yeah. it's just the shore that I have an issue with. I'll take a boat out into the middle of the ocean and go swimming there. Yeah. Uh, just not maybe. I just don't like waves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then there's like rogue waves, and yeah, there's too yeah. many. It's not worth it. It's chaotic. I used to. The ocean when... <laughs> is chaotically aligned. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I was uh, when I was a kid, um, I always wanted like the most macho job. And so it was always like, I'm going to be a lumberjack or like a deep sea fisher. Um, Cause it just always seems like those are like the manliest jobs you could do. And I, there's no way in hell you can make me be a deep sea fisher <laughs> or like, like, you know, one of those like crab boats, like, nope. Oh yeah. There's that show, um, deadliest catch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, literally a nightmare. I think yeah. I've had that nightmare. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're telling me like we're guaranteed to run into a storm, 
Uh, this boat's going to be sideways, upside down, all kinds of different directions. Uh, and, and it's wet and slippery and, it's, and cold. And you, so and you cold. can't go back home until it's done. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. I mean, that's the funniest thing about Australia and Canada. I've never been as cold in Canada as I have gotten in Australia. Australia yeah. is not prepared for the cold whatsoever. Like <laughs> yeah. it's the, f- like it's only just turned cold. I'm like <laughs> in a turtleneck and we just brought the heater up because our, our houses are only built for heat. Great yeah. in summer, terrible in winter. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, di- yeah, different places they get used to s- certain things. Like, um, even so, I'm in New Mexico. The next state over is Arizona. And Arizona is always like 20 degrees hotter um, than us. And we're both dry heat, but like we can use like a legitimate central cooling um, and have a hard time sometimes with like a swamp cooler, which is like, you know, uses humidity or whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys have them there, but Arizona can like use swamp coolers all the time because it's never humid enough to make a difference. Like it's never <laughs> going to not work in your house. And um, yeah. And I just, they're so bad. They're like, they're awful. And I, and I just can't imagine how it possibly works, but it does. No, it's one thing I find really fascinating about the States. And I, I you know, I, I think, there, there is a reason that I think the rest of the world is sort of fascinated with the U.S. is that on a purely geographical level, I think it's the only country in the world that has such different, like, climates all They're in all one country. Yeah. It's, it's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It is. And for, it is like, it well. takes a little while to get across the States, but Australia is bigger and more consistent across the board yeah. as far as climate goes than yeah. the States is. <laughs> yeah, it probably has to do something with like the tectonic plates or something. Cause we have like the Rocky Mountain Range, which is huge. Like they're still mm-hmm. very tall. And then the Appalachians Mountains, which are older and smaller. Um, and then two different coasts, but those two coasts are completely different too, depending on where you're at. And so it's like, yeah, you yeah. can drive 10, you can drive 10 hours and be in a completely different biodome whereas australia you drive 10 hours and you're not even sure if you left the state that you were in (laughs) yeah it's uh it's a different world um but yeah so uh because you guys have been playing like different games and stuff or just like trying to get together as much as you can i'm curious have you now had the chance to play other games other than pathfinder um, so occasionally, uh, specifically in like the first big lockdown when like no one could go anywhere, we were playing a lot of Monster of the Week, which okay. is great. You said uh, you really like the Slayer class, and yeah. it made me think of this. We were playing a lot of Monster of the Week because it's a really easy pick up, put down mm-hmm. sort of game, and I, I really enjoy it. It's super tropey and sort of filled with puns, which is always very our kind of brand of humor. Um, yeah. So we really enjoy Monster of the Week as well. Um, and even just little one-page RPGs I love. What do we play? Used to play a lot of Lasers and Feelings, and we still do now. Lasers and Feelings is a great little independent one-page RPG, which is, yeah. is super fun for just really impromptu play. I, yeah. I, I do enjoy, like I said, that stuff that really just uh, enforces um, like storytelling and stuff, because I, I love the the really beautiful mechanics that Pathfinder has to offer. But mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to, 
sit down and, and play. <laughs> and yeah. so I really like the the freedom and the flexibility and the sort of wacky places that you can go with simpler, mechani- mechanically simpler um, <laughs> games like that. And we're also big, big board game nerds as well. We actually, we actually just received um, a Kickstarter that I've been waiting for for ages called um, Veiled Fates. Okay. Really beautiful, like social deception game where you play as the gods manipulating the the paths of the demigods and like moving around the board is beautiful the mechanics are so like well it's really <laughs> great. Yeah, highly recommend if you're looking for a new board game yeah um, <laughs> that's cool yeah we um uh i can't get my wife to play uh teach RPGs like at all she just like looks at me like dead she's like no um but we we play we play quite a bit of uh board games when our friends come over and and those are always fun just to kind of like, yeah, just like to hang out and stuff like that. Um, we actually played, I don't know if it was her or our friends got the Monopoly where you can use like a credit card. Like it has like a little credit card that comes with it. I I remember that from being like, <laughs> like a kid. I think I remember seeing that one yeah. in, in like a shop and being like, wow, this really is the future. <laughs> and- yeah. But you know what? We, we, started and ended a game in about two hours um wow that's of monopoly efficient. yeah so <laughs> that's a really efficient game of monopoly <laughs> yeah uh so is it a little bit weird maybe but it works um it makes it pretty quick um <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know um but yeah lasers and feelings is uh is a game that i've heard a lot about it's one of those games there's a lot of games like this because i just don't have enough time that i've just like people talk about it all the time um, but I've just never had the chance to play it yet. Yeah, um, it, well, it's really easy. Like yeah. that—that's the the thing that I do enjoy about it is that it is a pick up and play. Like there's no pre planning that you have to do. You roll oh, wow. everything from the page. Yeah. Um. So it, it it's it's super fun and just lets you get yeah a bit silly with it, and it which yeah. is great. But um, no, I I'm really getting into um finding some really fun indie RPGs. I'm a big Kickstarter uh, <laughs> nerd. Yeah. I'm constantly waiting on at least six things from Kickstarter, yeah. and I always like to try and back um you know independent RPG makers as well. Um, yeah. And other ones, I just got a really incredible one from an Australian designer. Not on Kickstarter, they just had a deal going for um a TTRPG that's um. You can play with any number of players, but specifically it has been designed that you can just play with a GM and a single player. Yeah. And it's called the um, Asphodel um, Complex. And it's sort of about this journey into the underworld through this like huge underworld apartment complex. It's really, really cool. And it's by an Australian designer. I I can't remember the right name right now. But like we also backed the the wild sea on kickstarter and i think that's just come to um publication and then there's what is it thirsty sword lesbians uh just yeah. any number I'm, <laughs> I, I i just love seeing people create really <laughs> really cool stuff i'm always happy to throw some money at someone you know uh sticking themselves out into the world and say here's a thing that i made <laughs> i hope yeah. you enjoy it no that's awesome and i'm uh i mean for sure independent creators like that makes such a huge difference you know when people are willing to try stuff um because it is it's like i made a i made a one-page rpg and uh even that was like as easy as it was to like just kind of put together like it was still just like 
I don't know, like if anybody's going to enjoy this or like what's going to happen with it. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think a ton of people have played it, but the people who have seem to have really enjoyed it, which is super cool. And, uh, and that's enough for, for somebody who just like, here's a thing I did. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, game design as a whole, uh, other thing, you know, I, I just <laughs> look in awe at the freelancers and the designers behind, you know, some of those really big, big tickets like, like Pathfinder. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, just truly in awe. Cause, uh, it's something that like I've worked in. So for interactive performances and shows, we, I tend to do a fair amount of game design uh, of a different type, but you know, <laughs> Yeah. still game design and and it, it's it is a it's a challenging feel there's a lot of moving parts to uh consider and when you start putting math in there boy howdy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it gets a little bit tricky um have you ever in that regard have you ever considered writing a ttrpg um not a TP ttrpg um i've thought of a couple card games before but um yeah. at least not a independent ttrpg like um you know, we slowly work. We do a lot of homebrew stuff, um, yeah. and, and and always look at uh, fleshing those out into more accessible, well, uh, more well packaged uh, yeah. <laughs> versions yeah. that we could potentially share with with people. Because um, yeah, we're we don't we don't play in the um, stock setting that that Pathfinder right um, has produced Galarian. We we generally, I don't think I've actually ever played a. Um, a campaign based in in the official setting wow. or or any f- official setting where we're always we're homebrewers through and through yeah. um so i i very much like to get creative in that um aspect but really it's hard like to try and think about ways to revolutionize at least tabletop games like it it's been covered pretty well across the board like at least yeah. d20 systems it, it's yeah. hard to improve upon what is out there already yeah Certainly. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, cause even Pathfinder is still like we were talking about, like it's still built on, uh, D and D's SRD, which is like, you can go into like any Pathfinder 2E book and you can see like, yes, we're using this source, uh, system reference document. And so it's like, you know, and it's so abundantly available that it's also like, looking at it in different ways is is uh can be a little bit difficult sometimes but i think um yeah it's really cool and i and i think i've talked to enough game designers that a new system isn't always needed too you know what i mean like think of how many pbta games are out now that people love and part of why they love it is like they're familiar with pbta so they understand like what a playbook is and like you know, yep. you only need a couple dice and things like that. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of like pick up. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, Monster of the Week is, is a really good example of that. Yeah. And that it is just a super simple system vessel for mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Cause that's, that's all the mechanics are right They're yeah. They're the ship on which your story sails. But, <laughs> yep. um, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, Pathfinder was originally a branching off of 3.5, right? Because they mm-hmm. went, Oh, we don't really like four. We enjoyed what was happening here. Yeah. Um, why don't we just keep running with that? And, you know, they've obviously like the designers themselves have obviously learned and developed things over the time. And that's why they released second edition because yeah. they did see an opportunity for improving upon what was a, a very classic um, D20 system. Yeah. Um, 
and, and I love the changes that they've made in Same. second edition. It's not for everyone, but, uh, but I, I find it, especially as someone that like has only been playing for a couple years, like actually using the skill set, it, it was really beautiful to pick up. I mean, it was very helpful that Gianni literally made us all a, a PowerPoint and was <laughs> like, all right, guys, this is the new system. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I find it incredibly easy to pick up and super intuitive as well, especially for someone like me who is actually not super numbers-minded. I'm terrible at math. And, and a lot of people complain that Pathfinder is quite crunchy um, but I don't, I, I personally don't find it that hard to wrap my head around. Yeah. I think for myself, and I've talked about this before, but like I, I broke the myth with myself of just being like, it's not crunchier. You're just adding different numbers, right? Like yeah. your number gets it's the higher. the same math. Yeah. You're still math. just adding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like for me, the, the immediate appeal for me with Pathfinder 2E was like one thing I always hate and still hate about D and D five E is like that you can be this hero who is more skilled than 95% of the world around you. Um, more athletic, better at fighting and in six seconds can only swing your weapon one time. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, to be like, you're a level one hero. Um, you can roll three attacks. Each of those attacks is still a D8. Like, it gets harder to do as, you know, combat goes on. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this it, makes it, more sense to me. There's a really nice element that's grounded in reality, yeah. mechanically. Like, when I build characters, and, and, and I've said this on... Um, ICB quite a bit. I'm the 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 truth of the character is something that's always really important to me. I'm not a min maxer. God, even my spell selections are sometimes inhibited <laughs> by how much I want it to make sense, yeah. like canonically. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. only taking spells that they would take, even if I should probably have that spell. I'm not doing it, guys. <laughs> um, and and there is something that even when I do make those choices it mechanically is still really nice and balanced mm -hmm. like it it means that i can get super flavorful with the choices that i make and and not compromise my basic abilities and yeah. like my basic my basic ability to, to stand up in a fight and and make it you know yeah really playing pathfinder the only time things have gone truly downhill is just the dice rolls said no that day <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure and I have like this, um, this curse that as a GM, I, I roll rocks. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a, especially in Pathfinder 2, because it's like, so you crit, crit 10 over. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. well, that's, that's another crit. Uh, and yeah, as a player, I'm like, perception check. Uh, okay. That's, that's a four that I see with a four. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, as a player, my, my and i don't even believe in luck but it just like maybe it's your focus right like as a gm i don't care if yeah. i roll bad like i'm like cool i didn't kill the player this round like that's fine that's uh, <laughs> good. good even as a player i'm like ah this monster's gonna get me next round um and so maybe that's why but yeah 
Well, I mean, that's fair. The, the, the first time I ever, I jammed a little Christmas one shot for a couple of the gang, yeah. just, just cause I wanted to do a little GM and the GMs were tired of GMing as, yep. as they get. As we, um, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll GM a little, a little one shot. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, uh, the one, one player, one player off a TPK. So yeah. <laughs> first time I ever GM'd and it was balanced. I checked the numbers. It was not <laughs> a too hard of a fight. I just crit almost every single time I rolled <laughs> yeah. and they did not. And if they, they did, did, they crit yeah. failed. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> the gods were not smiling upon them that day. Yeah. That's such, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it makes it fun, but I think too, like the one thing that I love, and I'm not like saying that anybody should go back to like TSR days, but I do love strategy in games. Like I love thinking of creative ways to overcome challenges, whether that's, you know, fighting the monster or whatever. Um, and yeah, so for me, it's it's fun to like figure out like, okay, how can we do this? Like, how can I separate myself, protect myself, protect the party, whatever, and still figure out how to defeat this monster? Um, and you know that uh, that can get a little tricky sometimes, and it doesn't. You don't always have the the availability. Um, but I also, as a GM, I try to think. I don't just like let. I don't always just like keep a monster in until they die. Like I think that any creature has some level of self-preservation. Um, so I'm like at a certain point, if they can get away, they're going to try. If the players decide to kill them as they're getting away, that's up to them. But yeah, sometimes I'm just like, well, okay, you're fighting six velociraptors. You've killed four of them. The other two are like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's run and I'm, away. I'm always, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the most interesting decision. Yeah. You know, I'm I like, you know, what are we what are we doing if not trying to live in a fantasy world? Like yeah. why would I why would I make the safest bet every time? <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> And that's part of like the reason that I like to design my characters not not just for like uh ICB, which is just an exploration of of flavor really, yeah. is that when I design characters to play i i i make similar decisions because i like the challenge mm -hmm. you know i i like you know not necessarily taking mechanical um weaknesses or um things like that but actually like having having to make difficult and interesting role-playing decisions uh in combat or outside of it and, yeah. and giving yourself that that challenge and 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 making it interesting because you know if you've got a perfectly balanced party and you just go and make the smartest decision every time then i don't know yeah. i sometimes i think it's not quite as fun <laughs> yeah, for sure i'm always trying to convince people to just be like just play four fighters like who cares you know yeah like <laughs> give it a go yeah it's fine <laughs> play four wizards you know because yeah. honestly i'm i'm the same way like i think if my if my party came to me and they're like, look, all of us want to be spellcasters, I'd be like, cool. I will make this so that it's not all just a bunch of brutes coming to beat you up um, and you don't stand a chance. Like, I if you want to play what's going to make you happy, then I will make a game that's going to make you happy. And I think, I think so many people have been like, had that beaten out of them, have been like, somebody's got to be a cleric, you guys. Who's going to be the you healer? You got to have healing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just think it's so so shitty 
to make somebody play a character they don't want to play. Um, yeah. Even if there's just like, even if they're just like, I'm just being the nice person today. Like, yeah. okay, but still, like, you probably wanted to play a bard or something. I don't know. But. And like, but, and that's that's a decision for the that's the decision that the party makes. If the whole party makes decides that they don't have any healers, then the party has got to figure out some way to make some money to go buy some health potions. Else, they're gonna get their ass kicked. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this, folks, and you're like, man, I don't want to play in a party that only has to have a healer. Just play Pathfinder Two E, where you can just be trained in medicine and heal yourself for two D eight. Yeah. <laughs> without having a cleric around so it's malleable guys <laughs> yes. you can do anything you, you want you can do anything you want um or take an archetype free archetype game yeah yeah always repping the free archetype it, it, <laughs> right. it's, it's such a good rule it yes. just allows for so much fun like you yeah. can just make such m- more interesting characters there's so much more depth and i love that about pathfinder as well is that um your that the role playing decisions can have mechanical like uh mirrors or repercussions that like yeah if you're like I want this kind of flavor that there's probably a feat that lets you do something mechanically to fulfill that in combat as well yeah 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 it's thanks uh, Paizo you did a great job right. yeah, thanks, <laughs> for sure yeah I uh I love it like even my our home game we're on a hiatus as we're playing through some other stuff. We we played some Delta green, um, which I quickly became obsessed with. And then now we're starting the strength of thousands AP and I get to be a player in that one. Um, Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited. And, uh, but yeah, in our, in our first campaign, which is a homebrew campaign, but still done in, in the Moenge expanse, actually. um, We had a druid, a witch and an alcohol, alchemist and it worked out that the alchemist ended up being kind of the tank uh because she would just like throw bombs and then when people got in her face she'd pull out her elven curved blade and just she rolls amazing all the time um and so yeah she was just like critting and i was like all right there's another kill for kree um and my buddy who played the druid would just like usually cast spells and not really wild shape as much unless he needed like that extra uh, temporary hit points and so a lot of our combats were kind of these like ranged stepping up moving around kind of battles um and which i felt like were more dynamic whereas like if they decided all right somebody's got to be a tank then i think it would have changed the way that we played the game um absolutely i've i've played games where we're like oh like that's the heavy hitter and yeah. i've played games where i've not even got a, a a turn in yeah before the threat is neutralized because i've been like a spellcaster or whatever and my initiative order just wasn't that good that time <laughs> and yeah. just walk in smack the big bad and i'm like oh my cool spell plan is gone <laughs> now i guess <laughs> yeah yep yeah i was uh i played a um in my first dnd 5e campaign i played a ranger fighter multi-class and so i was just like he was loaded with weapons you know and there was a point where we were like fighting i had already done like a, an attack with uh my sword or something and destroyed whatever was in front of me and i just like pulled out a hand axe and threw it <laughs> and like and i hit and i didn't kill the other creature that was fighting our cleric but it was just like i don't know i got i got all this shit on me like 
it's just <laughs> have some well fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the most I'm better. Like my to hit was much higher with my bow. Like I was min maxed for archery essentially. But I was like, yeah. this, this seems more fun. Like this just seems cool to be like, yeah, this is in this combat and fucking hatchet goes into the skull of a skeleton. Uh, that's, that's fighting my cleric. So yeah, I, uh, I just say make interesting choices and, um, and do what's going to be fun, you know? Cause I think at the end of the day, like that's the whole point. Uh, so yeah, don't force Absolutely. people to be clerics anymore. <laughs> unless they want to be unless you're uh, yeah but then you're not forcing <laughs> loves them playing <laughs> right. yeah but then you're not forcing them i'm saying like don't make that one person who's like well what do you guys need we need whatever you want to be that's what we need yeah. that's Absolutely. my motto <laughs> i mean it's well, the way like that's the most important rule like this is what we always say yeah um, literally what we said we put out a beginner box video the other day and we we're like literally the golden rule is talk to your party and make sure everyone is having a good time yes like that's all that's important and if you need to change a rule or two because it, or do anything like there's no i promise you the the ttrpg police are not gonna come and break <laughs> down your door because you decided to do something a little bit different yeah. to make you your game Twitter. easier <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you post on twitter then um change the way your, your notifications you work. Yeah. <laughs> only allow certain people to respond to you or else you're going to deal with it um yes. but yeah no totally i i agree i think it's uh yeah it's just you know just have fun that's that's the best thing we can do but yeah well since you are the uh representative of hijinks uh where, where can people find the show what can we be looking forward to and stuff like that so you can find us at um at hijinks underscore org on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place, TikTok, um, <laughs> all of that good stuff. Um, and um, fo follow us on YouTube, watch yes. our content, you know, give it a like and a share if you enjoy it. Uh, we're just trying to build a, a, a community and a, a bit of a network for people that love storytelling and love games. And, um, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, great group of uh, of lovable characters. And yeah, and I mean, all the other stuff that you guys are doing uh, as well outside of the main show um, is a lot of fun as well. So thank you. I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. We have a blast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on to talk to me about it all. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Thanks.